Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Game over, series over, and the Red Sox are world champs again. And so are these fans. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. Boston organization has been well run for a long time now. From the top on down, here comes a 1-2 pitch. Red Sox win the World Series! 5-1 the final tonight! And the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018. The Red Sox have won the World Championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. They win the World Series 4 games to 1. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four world championships. Can you believe it? Welcome to another episode of the Pesky Podcast. I am the Rit, and with me is our head writer, Mr. George Sutherland. George, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not much. Doing well. Uh, you know, just it's Friday. And not much to say but more than that. Just kind of waiting for baseball to begin tonight. So uh, I, I sit there and can't wait. It's been a long week. Uh, but, gentlemen, let's start the second half. The 18th. And our, our second half is looking, uh, looking a, l- a little early on, not bad. Then all of a sudden, the next couple of games, we're getting a little stretched out. And it's going to test us a lot. Yep. So these next four series coming up will make or break if we will be buyers or sellers uh, at the trade deadline. But let's talk about tonight's series. Let's talk about the Chicago Cubs. And I don't know the Cubs that well, but I went out and got a guy that did. And we're going to bring him right on. We're going to bring on Crawley. Crawley is the podcast host of Fly the W. So, Crowley, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about you. Yeah, you know, uh, my name is Crawley. Uh, we do the Fly the W podcast here in Chicago for the Cubs for 670 The Score. Uh, I am a season ticket holder. I'll be going to the game tonight, uh, hopefully weather permitting. And then um, I, I actually gave Miguel Montero his World Series ring, so I was one of twenty guys that got twenty guys and gals that got to go on the field and present a ring. And you know, so absolutely live, breathe, and die by the Cubbies. Oh man, see now that's that's what I love. Like I love someone that is just as passionate about their team as we are, and I, I can tell a hundred percent that you are. So. The Red Sox Cubs series coming up. Three games we got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we're we're gonna look at the pitching matchups first. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and just so you know, this is a Friday night game. They only have one of these a year, so really? this this is the yeah they don't do Friday night games, and so this is a rarity. So hopefully, like I said, weather permitting. <laughs> yeah, uh, game one tonight. We got we're, we're throwing our ace. Our newfound ace, Brian Bayo. You guys got uh, Hendricks. And every year in fantasy baseball draft, people laugh at me. Every year I draft Hendricks because I need that complete game, that shutout. And he's good. He's good for the past couple seasons to get at least one. Like, yeah, he had a game, uh, what was it, this year? He almost had a no-hitter going, I think, against San Francisco. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, hard to believe, is the last active player from the 2016 Cubs World Series Championship, so the last of the Mohicans wow. there. Um, he, he he actually got shut down last year in June and didn't come back, I want to say, until late May. So that was he's, he's always been very durable. Something wasn't right last year, and he, he's, he's worked his way back. And it's interesting because he kind of had a little bit of a hard time adapting to the pitch clock. And mm-hmm. so what he, he kind of got a little bit frustrated. And so what he said is, look, 
he had never used PitchCon as well. So he said, you know what? I'll call my own pitches. I'll call my own game. And that's what he does. He's the one pressing the buttons. The catcher's the one just kind of, okay, yeah, let's go. And then they've been pairing Kyle a lot with a very interesting young prospect. That the Cubs, I don't know if they're going to do it tonight, but they've done it for most of Kyle's starts since he's been back. And that is um, Miguel Amaya. Miguel Amaya was in the Futures game for the Cubs. He, he, was, he was the heir apparent to Wilson Contreras. And then he just got, you know, two years of injuries. He had COVID seasons. He hadn't played in like three years. And then this year he's kind of come out of nowhere. And so, you know, it's an interesting pairing, you know, the veteran with the young catcher. But like I said, it's Kyle who's calling his game. And, and it's been, you know, ever since it, Kyle kind of took over that, you, you've seen a really big difference. And so, you know, with Kyle, he's going to be one of those guys that he's not what he was in 2016, 2017. Obviously, he's a little bit older now. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's still going to give you six, seven innings. He'll give you a quality start most time out. So he'll give up maybe one, two runs. Uh, the last game against the Yankees, he gave up four runs. But you guys know well enough, one of those was those unicorn home runs. It's only a home run at Yankee Stadium in that exactly. short porch. So it's kind of like he, it would have been a quality start if it wasn't for that cheap home run. But, you know, just he, he's he's come back and he's been everything the Cubs needed right now in his career He's a really solid three, four starter. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, I'm kind of curious because you, you mentioned the pitcher-catcher relationship. Uh, would that sit there in your mind, you have the veteran pitcher calling his own pitches, would that be a benefit to the catcher to learn how to call a game better to uh, on the major league re- uh, level? Um, from, for, so with Miguel, a lot of people like throwing to him. He's a really good receiver. You know, people are shocked that the Cubs didn't resign Wilson Contreras. But the problem with Wilson is he wasn't a really good receiver. He's kind of ham-handed behind the mound. And and when you, especially when you talk about a, a guy like Kyle, you need to steal a couple strikes because he lives on those edges. Mm-hmm. And so they, the Cubs went very much with guys that were really good framers, really good receivers. You guys had Christian Vasquez in the past. You had David Ross, our manager at one time. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. And so the Cubs went out and they got Jan Gomes and they got Tucker Barnhart, two really well-respected catchers in that department. I think that, you know, from, from other pitchers that I've talked to in the minor leagues, everybody loves throwing to Miguel. And I think this is an opportunity for Miguel to kind of learn from the other side, from a really strong veteran uh, pitcher who knows what he wants to do. Yeah. So... Hendricks, I'm looking at the stats, and you got Bayo 3.04, Hendricks 3.04. So, you know, tonight mm-hmm. something's got to give right there. Uh, George, let, let's uh, let's talk about the ace, Brian Bayo, uh, coming off of hot starts. Yeah. Um, in Boston, uh, he's kind of been referred to lately as Pedro Jr., and for good reason. Uh, he will remind you a lot of Pedro and his delivery – and he has a nasty changeup. Okay, he makes batters look foolish with that thing, and he'll throw it at any time, any count for a strike. Uh, he's been he's been a pleasant surprise. He came out of the gate a little rough, uh, but over the last probably what eight or nine starts, it, it mm-hmm. he's been just he, he's just been a stud, and 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 his presence and um, his demeanor on the mound have reflected what he's done in the field. So when he comes off the mound after he's had a particularly good performance, you know, he's he's pumped up, ready to rock and roll when he enters the dugout. So, you know, he's he's maturing in front of our eyes. He's very he he is right now the ace of the staff, okay? And his his presence, his ability to just take control of the game is phenomenal for a, a young man his age. He is just, he's done it. And he worked with Pedro in the off season. So I'm sure some of that has rubbed off. And Pedro, I'm sure he picks up the phone every night and call, talks to him and says, okay, you did this, you did that. And, you know, he's, he's been, he, but he looks like Pedro. You know, he, he, he throws like Pedro. And, you know, I don't want to say he's going to be Pedro, but he's about as consistent as you can get for a young pitcher. And it's, it's really just a lot of fun to watch him play. Yeah, uh, completely opposite pitching matchup here. Bayo will come at you. Uh, yep. You know, here, here, here's my fastball. Here's my changeup. 
If you can hit it, go ahead. If you can't, yeah. I got you. Kyle, on the other hand, you said he likes to paint the corners. So, you know, game one pitching matchup is going to be really fun. Both yeah. bullpens are well-rested. So it's, it's going to be an overall fun matchup for game one. Absolutely. Uh, game two, we've got Big Maple on the mound for us. And you guys got Stroman. Yeah, so Marcus has been has been the story of the season right now. He he you know he started out with the World Baseball Classic, pitched really well for Team Puerto Rico. Um, he's bicultural, so last time he did the World Baseball Classic, he did it Team USA. This time he did Puerto Rico, and he was really the ace of the staff for most of the season. Um, he didn't get a lot of run support early on. Otherwise, those win totals might be up even two or three more games than what he has right now. Uh, with Stroh, ground ball pitcher, which is perfect for A, Wrigley Field, because you don't want to allow a guy with too many fly balls, and B, the way that the Cubs have constructed their lineup this year, which is a focus on run prevention and especially infield defense. And so in that regard, you know, he, he was doing really good. But then we had that London series where the Cubs and Cardinals went to London, uh, to London and he uh, had a blister on his, on his finger. And he only went, I think like three innings. And so in his last few starts, it hasn't been uh, as Stroman esque as we were used to the entire season. So mm-hmm. th- that's kind of been the issue. Uh, you know, he struggled a little bit against Milwaukee, uh, Cleveland, and then that St. Louis series. So um, the, he decided he was uh, named to the all-star team and he decided rather cause they Cubs finished the first half in at Yankee stadium in the Bronx he decided rather than go from the Bronx to Seattle across the country back to Chicago, he said, you know what, man, I'm just going to just relax. I've been doing a lot. Like I said, started off with the World Baseball Classic, you know, been a horse for us, you know, went to the London series. And I think it was a smart move to just kind of recharge the batteries and get ready for the second half. Yeah. Uh, what, one thing, uh, Carly, I want to get your opinion. The London series. Okay. We were there uh, for the uh, the play of the Yankees a couple years ago. Does that the plane ride, the fatigue, does that kind of like set a team back a little bit? You know, coming back over. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, it's 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 tough because it it all depends. I would say that it affects some guys more than others. It was just tough because the Cubs were doing really, really, really well, and you just don't like to disrupt the rhythm of something like that. So I think right. when the Cubs went over to London, they had their best stretch of the entire year. They had won like nine out of their last ten, and then they you know they split in London, and when they came back, they really struggled against the Phillies. But I can't say if it you know it was really really bizarre. We had those Canadian wildfires down here. So the very first series back, you know, I don't know if they were jet lagged. There were questions about whether they're going to play the, a couple of the games because of the air quality. So, you know, the Cubs had this awesome stretch right before London. And when they came back, they had, uh, they had an awful stretch. So, you know, it's, it's been, I'm sure some people don't like it, but I, you know, it's part, it, it's part of the game that we're trying to grow the game globally. And so I don't have any problems with it. It just, I just would have, wish you would have come think about the Red Sox, right? You guys were rolling and then the all-star break mm-hmm. comes. You want to keep playing right. every day. Like we're doing great, man. You know, and all of a sudden, yeah. Oh no, we don't want to stop playing. It was kind of like the same thing. Yeah. It's uh, I, I kind of hope personally uh, they continue to grow the game of baseball. You know, we got London. They had uh, a series in Mexico. Tokyo. Uh, they did Tokyo. Uh, next year, it was released uh, some spring training. You know, they're going down to the to the Dominican Republic. Like, I I like the, how we're going to ex- we're expanding a little bit. I kind of hope we get to venture up to maybe uh, Canada for somebody other than the Blue Jays. Right, and 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 I would say that uh, they're also doing next year Seoul, South Korea, so that's going to be exciting. Yep. So I think that in in that regard of growing the game, yeah, you want to do that. You want to go to these places. My only thing is, is I wish they. I think they're doing the Seoul, Korea, uh, South Korea. I think that's the one of the first series of the year. Mm-hmm. I would prefer that they do it like that, where you can maybe even start yeah. the season two or three games before the rest of the league. And then kind oh, of do what the it Red Sox then... did a few years back when they started in Tokyo. Right. Right. Just do it then yeah. or do it right at the all-star break where, you know, guys can come back and get a little bit of rest. That, that would be my only um, fix for that, for, for those global games. 
Yeah. So, but uh, going over to Paxton, Big Maple, uh, George, he he's been cruising since he came back. He was uh, he was my personally the biggest surprise so far. Uh, yeah. He uh, beginning when the when the season started, he wasn't ready to go, and I think everybody in Boston thought, okay, you know, he's just just collecting money. He's not going to be able to go when he comes back. He's not going to be what he was. His first outing, he set you know he set the league on notice. Uh, I'm back, and he's consistently looked like he's turned the clock back to like when he was in Seattle. Uh, fast following the you know. What, 96 to 98, um, mm-hmm. throw it, you know, throwing it hard, throwing it strikes, not messing around. Um, and I think for this team, that was important because right as he started to, 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 to crest upward, you know, sale got hurt again. So he kind of took over that, uh, the mantle of being the, 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 the wise old veteran, you know, up on the mound and he's embraced it. And I, th- I think in many respects, it's probably helped Bayo as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's, 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 He's fearless out there. You know, he, he's a big man. He's throwing strikes, uh, you know, and the team is playing behind him. Uh, he's had a couple of, you know, games where they didn't give him much run support. But, boy, um, you know, he'll go out there and, and give you six, seven, sometimes eight, right, um, strong innings. And you can't ask much for that. You know, he's, he's just – he's been – after Bayo, he's been the man. Yeah, uh, you know, looking at the ERAs, uh, Paxson, you know, he came in a little bit later in the season, a 2.73. Stroman's yeah. got a 2.96. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Stroman, like you said, he, at the beginning of the season, he was he was in beast mode. And, you know, now, uh, quick question, Crawley. Do you think that Stroman could be on the trade block uh, by the trade deadline? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like you talked about with your team, I, these next two weeks are going to play crucial and, and they're going to have to make decisions and they're not going to be easy ones. Yeah. Uh, you know, these po- both teams, this pitcher yeah. matchup could be possible. Uh, neither pitcher could be here after the trade deadline. You know, yeah. I don't want to see Paxton go because Paxton has been so consistent, but if he could sit there and be a, a nice loner piece, and get a couple prospects in return. Uh, you know, I, I won't be, I won't be too upset, but I'd be a little upset. Right. It's it's hard because I mean, you know, obviously, if you want a, an ace type pitcher, it's either a going to cost you a lot of money, or b you got to hit somewhere in your system. And so, you know, those guys aren't easy to replace. We're not talking about a first baseman or something here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, if the Cubs were to get rid of Stroh, well, then you know that that's going to really really hurt their rotation. Yeah. Uh, the thing, and then I'll go ahead, George. I said the, the thing with us is that you know, Paxton is making what four mil this year. I yeah. mean, that's just, just like ridiculous money. And he is just going out there and, you know, he's, he's just loading up on the, you know, in the money bags coming into the, you know, coming in for the next contract and right. just hasn't missed a beat. So, yeah, I mean, for it's foul money for us. This is like Christmas morning. Every time he goes up on the mound, <laughs> Yeah, I always looked at it as for what we paid for Paxton, what we paid for Kluber, we're, we're you know, we got we, we got about an average of set a seven million for one good pitcher, and that's not bad bad in the, in the majors. Now, why did you have to bring up Kluber? <laughs> well, you gotta take the good and good with the bad because maybe you could package those two together. Yeah. So, but uh, Sunday, we got we're throwing out Cutter Crawford, and you guys have a. Uh, have a lefty. Yeah, that Steel. is Justin Steele. He had just finished his first all-star game. He appeared in the fifth inning, and it's a great story. This is a kid that the Cubs drafted out of high school. It's the first time ever that they had a left-handed, homegrown all-star in the all-star team. So, you know, Justin Steele, I've gotten to meet him and interview him. He is an absolutely awesome kid. He's from a small town, Lucidale, Mississippi. And, you know, he doesn't, he, he, he throws about two pitches, you know, the fastball has a lot of different action to it. He does a lot of things with the, with his fastball, Mm -hmm. but, but he has absolutely been an all-star this year and kind of a little Boston connection. Um, You know, David Ross, like I said, is the Cubs manager, Uh, another famous big lefty that played for both of our teams, John Lester called and gave some tips to David Ross to pass on to, Mm -hmm. um, 
Steele. And since last year, since last about June or July, he's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. And so he's not on a lot of people's radar, but he's, he's a bulldog on the mound, similar to Lester shows a lot of emotion. Uh, He's, he's a fun kid to watch play. So, you know, this has been really second half last year was his breakout, but this has really been the year where he's been recognized you know, it took him nine years. He he was drafted in 2014. And so, you know, he, you know, he had Tommy John and then there's the COVID year and then it wasn't an easy ride for a man, but there's no one that, that that's hungrier to try to try to do as well as he can. And, and him and Stroman have an absolute, I think the whole staff has a really good connection, the pitching staff and, and, but, I, but they feed off each other, Stroman and uh, Steele. They kind of really pump each other up. Yeah, you know, you have somebody as young as Steele on, on your rotation with guys, veterans like Stroman and Hendricks. Like, who who else would you rather learn from? You know what I mean? Then you got then you got John Lester calling. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you got you you got Dave, uh, David Ross sitting there. You know, used to catch all these amazing pitchers from the you know the Red Sox days. It's like, dude, like he has one heck of a support system, and his is. Uh, ERA and his win-loss record definitely sh- uh, shows it that the lineup kind of like rallies around when he's on the mound. You take a look, at, and I'm sure a lot of your followers are fans of Pitching Ninja. Uh, Pitching Ninja yesterday dropped a tweet that he is the that Justin Steele is the most underrated pitcher in baseball, and I would 100% agree with that statement. Man, so uh, Cutter Crawford, George. Cutter Crawford is a work in progress. Um, he initially was the number five guy in the rotation at the beginning of the year. Um, he was put back in the bullpen. Uh, he and Josh Winkowski were a nice two-headed monster in, in long relief, uh, did a really good job. Uh, given some of the injuries and things like that, Cutter's come back and he's had to be in the rotation again. Um, he, he's, he's been a little up and down. Uh, but when he's on, um, you know, he gives you a, a strong, a, a pretty strong five. Every once in a while, he'll lose it in the third and the fourth inning for some reason. Four or five batters, he'll go and lose it a little bit. But he's get he he seems to be getting past that a little bit more. Um, you know, he's 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 getting the five. I think it's soon soon to be six. Uh, he's you know he, he's not gonna. Why are you with anything? But he's he's going to throw strikes, and sometimes that gets him in trouble. But you know, like Bayo, we'll throw to contact, and you know what? I'd rather have that than you know trying to go out there and you know whiff everybody and you miss, and the next thing you know, it's deposited you know seventy five rows back in the stands. But uh, no, he's a uh, you know he's he is what he is. He's a number five or a good long relief option for us. But you know he's he's done the job, and he's been. I I think the word here would be serviceable for us yeah uh when, when cutter's on the mound it kind of is like man uh he relies on his defense and as long as it's not up the middle we, we have some we, we have some overall uh, solid defense you know verdugo and duran out in the outfield uh masa's not too shabby over there with monster uh devers over the past two years has you know improved his defense immensely right and it's just that up the middle when a um, certain somebody plays shortstop that it looks a little shady. So Cubs, if you're listening, if he's playing shortstop, just hit the ball to him, you, 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 you know? So, but let's talk about the lineup a little bit. The Cubs lineup uh, looks a little, a little different than years past. Crawley, uh, let's, let's go over the, the lineup a little bit. Yeah, the Cubs made a bunch of free agent moves in the offseason. They kind of, they finally, you know, they, they took a couple of years where they weren't spending a lot of money. And then this year they kind of did. So uh, when you talk about it, they did add Dansby Swanson. Now, you're not going to see Dansby Swanson possibly Sunday. That's the first day he can come back off the 10 day IL. He had a heel contusion trying to beat out a double play. 
So, uh, you know, the, like, like I told you with uh, Marcus Stroman, the defense is the key here, and that's what they built things around. Now, they also signed two first basemen, Trey Mancini and Eric Hosmer. You guys know Hosmer, but Hosmer was uh, DFA'd. He was given his walking papers. It didn't really work out. So, you know, Mancini's not that great at first base. He's kind of a butcher. I didn't know he was as bad as he was because I don't, you know, I wasn't watching a lot of Orioles baseball, to be 100% honest with you. But up the middle, we have Nico Horner, who really another underrated guy. The fact that he wasn't in the top 10 for all-star for second baseman was ridiculous. Uh, But but Nico is actually sliding over to short for the uh, first two games of this series. And so with Nico, he's a guy that, he's just a really good, again, another uh, homegrown talent. And he was awesome at shortstop last year. He was one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. And then he went over to second. So up the middle, we're solid. Uh, The trouble we have is first and third. Those are the positions right now that, you know, obviously since we lost Chris Bryant and uh, Anthony Rizzo just hasn't been replaced. And every, you know, when you talk either offensively or defensively, the Cubs are just in bad, you know, just struggling with that at first and third. So normally when you see the Cubs line up, uh, you know, this year has a lot of one year deals and stuff like that, but in the outfield from left to right, Ian Happ, Ian Happ has uh, taken a real step back. He was an all-star last year, a gold Glover, mm-hmm. both offensively and defensively. He's kind of, it's been a tough first half. He did get an extension this year, a three-year extension, uh, right. Kind of in, when the season started early April, and it just, I don't know, hasn't played out that great. Now, the Cubs picked up Cody Bellinger on a one-year flyer, $20 million deal. And uh, he's he's been pretty good for the Cubs. He had an injury. He injured himself in Houston making an unbelievable catch, robbing, I can't remember who it was, from uh, of a home run. And so Bellinger is a guy that's definitely on the trading block. A lot of sharks are circling around him. And then in right field, we have Seiya Suzuki. I was, I got to say, a disappointing year again. He's either hot or cold. He's either going to get three or four, three hits in a walk, or he's going to go 0 for 4. And that's all you have. And, and I was hoping a little bit more pop. Last year was his first season in the major leagues coming over from Japan. I was hoping for a little bit more pop. You know, I mean, again, you're talking about a, a corner outfielder, and I don't know if either Suzuki or Hap, either of those guys will get 20 home runs. I'd be surprised. Um, so that's that's a problem for the Cubs right now. And then Mancini will play first. One kid that you're going to want to watch out for, here's another guy that's hot or cold. He's also homegrown talent, but just kind of exploded on the scene is Christopher Morell. You were talking about a couple of your pitchers going right at it and throwing fastballs. I would highly recommend not doing that with Christopher Morell. He reminds me a lot of Javi Baez or uh, Alfonso Soriano for going even further mm-hmm. back, that if you got a guy that can throw a wicked slider, how do you say it in Boston, wicked slider? If you, if you got a guy that can throw yeah. a wicked slider, Morrell will swing at him all day long. But if you make a mistake with that slider or if you put a fastball, you want to challenge him down the plate, he can put one on the street. So I would just kind of caution on that. And then third base it has been an issue. We, we, you know, we started with Patrick Wisdom. Uh, he's a guy with a lot of pop and a lot of strikeouts. He's struggled mightily this year. And then we had Nick Madrigal, who uh, has been doing was doing much better and, and actually looking to solidify the position. Not a power hitter like you'd expect, but a guy that gets on base for average. Um, but he hurt his hamstring in the uh, Milwaukee series before the break. And so once that happened, we um, had a situation where now, you know, who's going to play third? And that's that's a question. We, br- we brought up a kid named Jared Young. He plays first and third, but he started out hot, but the league's figured him out quickly. And then catcher is Jan Gomes, mostly uh, a little bit of Tucker Barnhart and a little bit of Miguel Amaya. But, you know, fans are kind of wanting to see more Amaya. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird that you guys are, are carrying three That's catchers. Three catchers, yeah. You know, uh, and none of them, like I know sometimes a catcher can move over to first base. None of your none of your guys are able to play first base at all? Uh, they haven't been playing them first. No, no, so – you know, I why I'm sure that they can, but they haven't used them for that. You know, Tucker's a little bit older, a uh, veteran catcher, and and so Tucker has been working a lot with Stroman, uh, but occasionally Gomes will catch him. But yeah, they've been carrying the three catchers. I mean, Amaya did so much, but I, I'm I'm kind of frustrated that he doesn't play more. To be honest, yeah, uh, you, you mentioned about uh, Suzuki. Uh, you know, either really hot or really cold. That kind of reminds us of a player on our team last year with uh, Jaron Duran. 
And, you know, it just took him to work with Pedroia a little bit uh, to figure things out. And we can tell this year it's a world of difference because he was hot, then he was cold, and then the, the whole world started worrying. Then he started figuring out, making adjustments. That's what a Major League Baseball player does, makes adjustments when they're in the slump so they can come back out. And then Jaron Duran was hot all over again. So right. hopefully Suzuki can sit there and make those adjustments because uh, I don't remember was it last year or two years ago when he when he first debuted. Yeah, it's last he year. Was, yeah, yeah, he 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 was really hot, and then he got hurt, and then you know he hasn't been the same since really. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know just looking at it right now, man. It, it's like I said, hot or cold, and and it's it's not bad. <clears throat> But but definitely we were hoping for a little bit more this year. He's at seven home runs right now. So, you know, when, when you're looking at this team, that's the problem that you have with the Cubs is that you don't have a lot of guys that hit home runs. So it's hard to put a crooked number on. So if the balls are not falling in or if you're playing a really good defense, hard for the Cubs to win. I mean, the, the Christopher Morel leads the league in home run, or leads the team in home runs. Uh, with 15, and he didn't join the team until like the first week of May. Wow. Uh, you know, no, nobody else is really close. <laughs> right. Possible trade between the Hello? Red Sox and the Cubs. We have a nice little uh, guy down in, in uh, Wooster. Plays Worcester. first, third. <laughs> and uh, he sits there and hits dingers. Bobby Dahlbeck. You know, my my opinion, Bobby just needs to change the scenery, and hmm. I think he he might he might do a little do decent for you guys over there in Chicago. Again, any first or third baseman, we're kind of, we have we have a first baseman right now in Iowa, Matt Mervis. He's a lefty. He had a phenomenal year last year. He he went up from high A all the way to Triple A, and he was he had 35, 36 home runs, and every time he went up a level his strikeout weight rate went down and he kept hitting home runs and we'll go, okay. So he had a little cup of coffee uh, with the Cubs and it didn't work out that great, but uh, you know, that's not unusual for a guy to come up and, and, and have his struggles at the major league level, go back to triple A and work on some things. So we got some hope there. Third base is just a position right now that I, I, I worry about as far as looking in the pipeline and seeing what we got. And, and I don't know if there's an answer there. Yeah, Dahlbeck would certainly fill either one of those slots for you. Uh, he's just no place. There's no place for him to play here, uh, and um, you know he's, you know, he can hit the long ball. And you know, since being back in AAA, he has. But um, you know, the, the current debate is he a four A player or is he you know just yeah. a, 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 a the potential big leaguer who just needs a, this great set of change of scenery. So I wish him well because he's a good kid. So. Yeah, so George, you want to cover our lineup a little bit for us? Sure. Um, you know, we're Cora has to do a lot of mixing and matching uh, because he's got a lot of the same on the roster. Uh, you know, start with the outfield. You know, he's you know he's got Alex Verdugo who has just turned it on this year. Uh, Cora challenged him before the season started and said, "Look, you got to get better. You want to you want to be a player in this league. You got to get better." Um, he stepped it up uh, a couple of times. He, Corey's made an example of him. If he didn't hustle to kind of like, you know, keep light in the fire under his backside. Uh, he's done, he's done that and more. His defense is, is vastly improved over the last, over the last year. He's taken better routes to the ball. He's actually thrown a few runners out that on great plays. Uh, you know, he's covering a lot of ground. He's doing what he needs to do. Very clutch with the bat as well. Um, you know, in center field, uh, at the beginning of the year, we had Adam Duvall, who, you know, who's playing out of position a little bit. He, you know, he came up as a corner outfielder, particularly with, uh, you know, when he was with the Braves. But he, he took well to center field. It's, you know, wasn't totally strange to him. And he's doing really great. He set the world on fire until he, you know, uh, broke his wrist in Detroit. Um, so he was gone for a while. Um, they, they tried a, a, a mixed bag of people in center field. Uh, that's probably the best way to put it. And then suddenly Jaron Duran came up and he has been on fire. Um, and you know, he's, he's been aggressive. 
he has unbelievable speed. If you go to sleep on him on a single to the field and, you know, whatever, and you don't pay attention, he's on second base before you can even look as to what happened. And the same goes with a double. He would, he will easily take third base on you. He's a very, very aggressive and fast runner. Uh, defensively, he's improved mightily. Uh, you probably saw last year uh, the uh, Romeo Tapia th- uh, over the head inside the park grand slam that he hit you know, in Fenway, and Duran just kind of looked back at it. He's playing like a man possessed in the outfield. Made a couple of great catches, good throws. So he's gotten the message. He's made the adjustments, and he's been about as valuable as anybody can be over the last month of the, you know, month, last month of this season. In left, we have Yoshida. Um, you know, there was a lot of questions when Yoshida came, you know, came on board. You know, he came from the Japanese league. How good is he going to be? Well, he's had, you know, ten home runs, knocked in forty something runs, uh, hit using just what three hundred six, I think now. Uh, you know, he's done that and more. And the big knock on him when he came up was his defense. And, you know, he hasn't played that badly in left field. And particularly when you talk about Fenway Park, as you know, you know, he's not the not the easiest left field in, in baseball, but he's, he's done a pretty good job. He's He struggled initially, but then, you know, he and the, he and the hitting coach kind of figured out he needs to open up his stance a little bit. That made all the difference in the world. He can hit it to all fields. Uh, he can hit it with power. His his line drives are are hard, and they 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 travel very quickly. He he gets on the ball with bat speed. The other thing you do is he can dink you, uh, you know, one out in the outfield, oh, just over the infield. Uh, you know, he he'll hurt you in a number of different ways. They've kind of you know rotated him around uh, in terms of you know playing left and being DH. Uh, the other thing in the outfield is you know with Duvall. You know they need to find a home for him, or they're going to have to move him. Uh, that's the that's the current thinking around here. He's a right-handed bat in a left in a left-heavy lineup, and then we have the lefty killer, Rob Ref Snyder, in the outfield. The man kills left-handed pitching. Okay, he he simply does. He's amazing. Come off the bench, and you know he'll, he'll you know go two for five, and then in the outfield, he's a very good outfielder. The infield. Uh, Rafael Devis, you know what you have there. Okay. You know, they just signed him to a long-term extension. You know, he's got 20 and 70 at the break. Um, batting average is starting to get up there for a long time. It was hovering in the, in the two thirties, you know, it's up in the two fifties. Now uh, he's starting to, you know, you know, get the base hits that he was missing the first part of the season. Shortstop. Um, we kind of hinted as to the problems there. Uh, Kike has been a major disappointment at shortstop. He can get to the ball, but then, you know, when the ball leaves his hand headed to first base, that I'll say no more. Uh, at second base, uh, Arroyo's the starter. Uh, he's on, he's starting to hit well. Um, serviceable second baseman. Um, I, you know, he, he's okay defensively. He's not, you know, he's not going to light up the world, but you know, he'll, he'll do what you're supposed to do. And he's a good right-handed bat. Okay. Um, he's not, you know, he can hit. And when he's on a tear, there's nobody hotter. Other disappointment in the in the in the infield is Tristan, Tristan Casas. Came in number one prospect last year, was you know supposed to be the first baseman of the future. He has struggled a little bit better of late. He has the ability to hit the long ball uh, and hit it hard, but his aggressiveness is either it's on or it's off. Um, and uh, you know that's but that's been the key. Uh, his play at first base has been suspect. Supposedly he was a good def- defensive first baseman. I think he's taken, you know, he hasn't taken a good, couple of good routes to the bag. As sometimes he stays on the bag rather than chase, going out and, and saving the the bad throw, getting off the bag and making it. Um, Justin Turner uh, was hired to be the DH. Uh, he's he's played a lot of first base lately because of Casas's problems. Turner has been everything and more. He's been that veteran that you bring in. You know, he's in his his late 30s. He comes in, he settles down the clubhouse, he knows what he's doing, and he made friends in spring training when he took that ball right in the mouth and, you know, came back, what, two weeks later, Rit, was it? Two weeks later. Two weeks later. We we used to say that was the thing when we watched it. He goes, just just rub some dirt in and we're back. Turn it tough, okay? Uh, Been everything and more that that you could ask. 
uh, defensive, you know, so, you know, then they have Yu Chang now as the Rover defensive replacement, you know, and, uh, starting a lot of shortstop these days, um, behind the plate, Connor Wong has just blossomed into an everyday catcher and he can control the running game. You run on him, you do it at your own peril. Um, you know, they, they suffered a little uh, injury problem, uh, you know, in terms of backup, uh, and it resulted from them reacquiring uh, Alfaro. Um, Aquaman is you get what you get. Uh, the man can hit the cover off of a baseball. Nobody's ever going to confuse him with being a, a gold glove catcher, but I think if Jason Veritek, the, the, the catcher whisperer, is in your ear, he's going to do better than what he would have done in any other place. So for right now, um, he's occupying the backup catcher position. Uh, do, as far as the lineup goes, we're hot right now. Uh, it's death by a thousand cuts lately. You know, nobody. It's not like they're waiting for somebody to go hit a bomb all the time. You know, single, 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 double. Um, you know, take the extra base, walk. You know, uh, somebody will hit a home run. That's been the key to the current run they've been on. They've been extremely. Uh, Patient when they need to be and aggressive when they need to be. So they've been scoring a lot of runs. And um, if they're on, that's what you're going to see this weekend. Yeah. See, that, uh, that, that's, uh, I was just going to say, that's kind of the problem with the Cubs is that they're patient. And, and sometimes teams will take a, a advantage of that where they will go right at them aggressive. And then now they're down 1-2-0-2 right away rather than if they there's a, you know, I talked to Bobby Dernier years ago and he told me, you know, I asked him about, you know, taking pitches and he said, sometimes the first pitch in a bat is going to be the best pitch you're going to see. Yep. So it's not as simple, you know, people want patient, but you know, you know, to go take a look at what batting averages are if you're an O2 or one, two in this league. Yeah. It's, it's, it's horrible. Uh, I, I used to despise when, you know, like Mookie Betts would lead <laughs> off and he'd take that first pitch and it's, and it's a strike right down the middle. And then next thing you know, like that's the best pitch he gets. Mm -hmm. So take, like, if it's there, take it. Don't sit there and, you know, worry about, Oh, well, you know, we're going to take the first pitch. I don't know about anybody else. I never want to be uh, down. Oh, one, you know, especially with the, the new pitching changes, the new pitching rules, like all of a sudden you're not looking up at the pitcher. And also that could be strike three now. And that's the thing that uh, two guys in, in particular that I've noticed, Ian Happ and Seiya Suzuki, like they'll sit there and they, they'll work counts to like three and two. And then, and then they'll, they'll, they'll take a ball that it should have been a ball. Right. But it's like an inch and a half outside the strike zone and they get rung up and they get upset. I understand why they're upset, but at the same time, man, it's so close. You're just kind of leaving it to the umpires. And sometimes it's like, look, man, just try to kind of foul it, stay alive I get it, but until they get that automatic ball strike system going in major leagues, you know, you can't sometimes, if it's that close, you run the chance of being rung up. Yeah. Uh, my uh, my kid, when he played baseball, they always told him, protect the plate. You know, if you think it's, if you think it's any, it could be called a strike, try to foul it off. You know, they try to get to it because you don't want to be sit there uh, and just looking on, something that's just outside and let that umpire decide overall, you know, your fate at that at bat. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's go bullpen a little bit here. Uh, Crawley, let hit us up with, with the, with the Cubs bullpen because it's, it's changed a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because what it started out with has really kind of changed. Um, what, you know, it took a while. So the Cubs got some guys in the off season, Michael Fulmer, they got um, a Julian Merriweather and stuff like that. And it's taken a while to kind of get that rotation to gel. We still technically don't have a quote unquote closer, even though we do, it really is Albert Alzlai. Uh, Albert Alzlai is a former starter and he had some injury problems, but he has been magnificent out of the pen looking really good. One guy that is uh, interesting to take a look at is Mark Leiter Jr. He's a righty. Uh, he, he throws like a, a fork ball and all that stuff, but he has um, – there's no lefties. Or they still have one lefty, Sam K. They called him up, but he's not really good. But they start – Anthony K. Uh, is the lefty. But they started out with no lefties in the bullpen. But 
when you talk about lighter, he has real even splits. So some to keep in mind, Julian Merriweather struggled at the beginning of the season, but he's really picked it up. He's the only one that the Cubs have that throws like real gas, like a hundred miles per hour. Uh, we don't have a lot of those flamethrowers. Unfortunately, that's something that is more in the minor leagues. And then, uh, you know, you'll see Michael Rucker and Michael Fulmer. They'll kind of come out. They'll be your like five, six inning guys. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy how we're similar in the beginning, except for we actually have a solid closer and you guys, you know, really don't, but our bullpen completely changed since the beginning of the season. Also, uh, George, you, you want to cover it a little bit? Sure. Um, it's been the major weakness of this team over the last couple of years, uh, at the, the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Heimblum fixed that with getting Kenley Jansen as your closer and uh, Chris Martin as your setup guy. Um, this role, there's defined roles. Martin in the eighth, Jansen in the ninth. Okay. And if, you know, you Jansen's pitched a couple of days, Martin's stepped in a couple of times and done the closing role. The trick for the Sox has been that seventh inning guy. Um, last year, we had John Schreiber. He's due to come back. They've kind of mixed it up a little bit. Um, they have a kid, uh, Joe Jakes, has come in and done it. Bernardino, um, you know, they've been kind of mixed bag throughout the year. Um, long relief, uh, Josh Winkowski has done a very nice job. And the other uh, new face in the bullpen who was starting and who's in the rotation at the beginning of the year is Nick Pavetta. Pavetta's numbers are incredibly better coming out of the pen, and he has saved them on a number of occasions. He's he has the ability to go four or five coming out of the pen. You know, you get down early, he's going to kind of like keep the game under control, and he's gone from like a what five four to like two eight writ I think it is now or in, in mm-hmm. coming out of the pen and he, he and you know he he griped about it a lot you know I'm a starting pitcher I'm a starting pitcher but boy every time he comes out of the pen you go you know what you're a weapon now and um so he he's there um they're you know they've been doing a lot with mix and match pieces coming up coming up out of Worcester um the triple a you know it's been a kind of a revolving door uh, you know, there the, the few constants of some of the names I mentioned, and that that's been about it. Uh, you know, I said Schreiber's coming back soon. Um, he will help. He's got a, a kind of funky delivery that, that throws batters off. And if he's if he comes back and is effective, he'll be that seventh inning guy, which will kind of narrow up, you know, some of the other responsibilities in the pen. Uh, so that, you know that that's the pen. Um, you know, as I said, we're, we're in pretty good shape in the back end, and if we can hold together in like six, six, seven, you know, I like our chances every day. Yeah, uh, our I kind of look like our bullpen now better than the beginning of the year. Yes, uh, you know, with with you, you always had Martin, you had Jansen in the back, uh, but now we got Wink, we got Pavetta in yeah. there. Uh, Bernardino's, you know, he's yep. doing really, really well. Uh, so we have some key pieces there that can get us, which I think uh, game three might end up being a, a I won't say a bullpen game. It depends what kind of Cutter Crawford we get. Uh, but if he can go four, maybe four and, uh, and two thirds innings, you know, yep. and, and hand it over to the bullpen. Uh, I think we're depend- good. I think we're good. But it also depends really on uh, what they're going to decide for our fourth and fifth starter, you know. We can't. We there's no way we can go two bullpen games every five, uh, every five days. That's the, one of the hardest things for us to sit there and do. Yeah, Chris Martin was on the Cubs last year. Traded him at the deadline to uh, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So we know well, uh, you know what Chris can do. So good pitcher. Yeah. So uh, Crawley, uh, any prospects? That you that you want to talk about that uh, you know we could be seeing for the Cubs this season coming up? Yeah, there there there's you know the, the the one thing that is exciting about the Cubs is the minor leagues. It keeps looking better. We you know we've had a lot of really good drafts lately. Uh, the name that's on everybody's lips. He just uh, he just went and did the uh, futures game. That's uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, and so Pete Crow Armstrong. We fleeced the Mets on that one. Um, ended up. Uh, 
trading Javi Baez and Trevor Williams to get him. And this, the Cubs have like, if you take a look positionally and you, you name any position, I can tell you an awesome hall of fame guy that's been at that position. Center field has been an absolute black hole for the Cubs. They've, they've never been able to get anything homegrown. Uh, Pete started last year at the low affiliate. So, I mean, obviously he's a Met draft pick, but Mm -hmm. he has been absolutely dynamite. The kid right now, if he came, uh, if he came up right now, he'd probably be one of the best center fielders in baseball defensively. He is absolutely electric and fast along the base pass. He's ridiculous. Um, they're just kind of working on pit plate discipline is really the last piece that's come in there. So, you know, he's a lefty. It's it's every he's kind of someone that everybody's looking at. Uh, Jordan Wicks was a Cubs first round draft pick. He's excited. He's exciting. Uh, ben Brown, the Cubs got him uh, for the David Robertson trade from Philadelphia. He's mm-hmm. in AAA right now. The Cubs have a lot of outfielders, which, you know, is something that is something we're all kind of looking at as far as, you know, what are we going to do with this? I mean, it's a good problem to have, but Pico Armstrong, Kevin Alcantara is called the Jaguar. He's in the high A. He's a guy that they got for the Anthony Rizzo trade. You also have Alexander Canario, who the Cubs got in the Chris Bryant trade. So there's a lot of talent in outfield. And, and, and so the, the question is, what are the, maybe we could trade you guys for that third base prospect you have. But, uh, you know, those are the guys that everyone's looking at. And then, again, who's going to be the next pitcher up? That, you know, that's going to be the question. We got, like I said, uh, Ben Brown. Jordan Wicks was a draft pick. Hayden Wesniski was up for a little bit this year. He struggled. He was really good at the second, at the end of last year, the last month of the year, but he struggled in the fifth starter spot. So he's back in AAA. Cubs got him from the Yankees uh, in the David Robertson trade. And so that's kind of where, and I mentioned Matt Mervis as the first base prospect that really uh, has a lot of power. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. uh, George, you know, in the futures game, we had, we had two, uh, Two great middle infielders on that on that team. Uh, you you want to cover a couple of our prospects that, that we've been talking to? Sure. Um, the the first is our number one prospect, who is Marcel Meyer, and I'm very fortunate in that he's at Double A. Uh, I live just south of Portland, Maine, and the Double A affiliate for the Red Sox is in Portland. I did have a chance to see him recently uh, live. Um, has a presence about him. Obviously, he goes to the Futures game and has shoes that have uh, Fenway dirt in built into them, you know, on the side. You know, that, that says a lot about his ability to, you know, be a presence around the mound. Um, hits with power. Hits hard. His, his, when he drives the ball, he drives it hard. Um, when he came out of high school a couple of years ago, he was certainly ready to play defensive shortstop. He does done nothing to disappoint. Gets to the ball, throws the ball accurately, okay, and just you know does it smoothly. I mean, you know, nothing flash. Does it smoothly and does it right, okay? Combine that, yeah. You know, he runs pretty well, uh, and you know, he's you know he's a solid hitter with at, at bat. Um, he's probably the best. Um, uh, that I lost the. Who's the, the other kid, Rit, um, that was there? Raphael. Oh, Raphael, uh, yes. Raphael yeah. and Nick York. Nick York. Now, the Red Sox have had problems up the middle. In Marcelo Meyer at shortstop, they also have a counterpart at second base in Nick York. They're currently playing together in Portland. That is probably a double play combination in the, in the future. And having worked, seen them work together, it should be a very good one. Sedania Raffaella has come out of nowhere in the last couple of years. Started as a shortstop, but is a defensive whiz kid in center field. He can he can get to a ball quickly. Got a strong arm. He's been a little bit um, he's been a little bit hard on himself. But they recently promoted him to AAA. So you know, depending on what they do uh, in terms of center field and whatever. Um, he's either on the trading block or, you know, he's, he's a potential start, he's a potential starting center fielder, you know, maybe, you know, depending on what goes on with Duran and everybody else. Uh, but definitely, you know, they got, they got some studs, uh, Anthony Roman, 
recently promoted up to double, uh, to high A. Um, Shane Drohan, which you you've talked to, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they've got they, in pitching. The farm system is a lot better. Uh, I wrote about it uh, uh, recently, and uh, you know, in three years they've gone from being there to being you know so, something of value as well. So you know, we, we've got a lot of we got a lot of prospects that are starting to look good. Um, I would say. Late 24, 25, 26, there's going to be an awful lot of homegrown talent on the field, which is for any team is, you know, that's, you know, that that's just the, the golden key right there. When you can homegrown your talent and you don't have to go out and, you know, poach people, poach from other rosters or, you know, try to do it via free agency, it's cheaper in the long run. And if you do have something, you sign extensions that are very team friendly. And then, you know, you can go out and play a big, you know, be, a bigger player in the free agent market for things like starting pitching and stuff like that. But yeah, those, those are the, probably the best prospects that you could look for, you know, in our system. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a very exciting future for us, you know, for the Red Sox. And it sounds like it's, a, it's pretty much, it could be the same there, you know, because you guys traded away key players at key points uh, of their career to get a lot of prospects over there for the Cubs. Yeah, it's it's very it's a, the prospect group that we have is very young, you know what I mean, and and they're very talented. Uh, last year, every team other than the AAA team made it to the postseason, and the South Bend Cubs, our um, High A affiliate, won the championship. So uh, there, there's definitely a lot of talent there, and and the other thing is that there's depth. There there's going to be guys that I think that aren't on these lists that are going to break out. That we may not have, you know, may not have been someone that was on, you know, Keith Law's list or something like that. Yeah. So now we're coming to the bread and butter portion. The three game series, Crawley. What's it going to end up? Cubs, Red Sox. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to be a homer. I'll take the Cubs two out of three. But I mean, I think this is going to be really tough. This is this is going to be the Cubs are five games under 500, but they are right in it when it comes to they're, they're only, uh, they're only six, what, six games back from the division here. And so they're going to have to do something here. They're going to have to make a run. Now you guys are the toughest opponent that the Cubs are going to face. So when you talk about buyers or sellers, basically our GM says, well, we're going to wait until the last possible moment to make that decision because they're, you know, nobody's run away with this division. Is Cincinnati for real? Are they going to keep up this toward pace in the second half? Don't know. So after you guys are gone, the Cubs face the Nationals at home, the Cardinals, who have been probably one of the most underachieving teams this year for four games at home, then the White Sox, who have been another underachieving team, and then four games at St. Louis. So other than Boston, there really isn't like teams that are doing really well that the Cubs have to face. So let's say the Cubs take two out of three. There's a potential that they can hopefully go on a roll and and be buyers rather than sellers. That's the hope. But right now it's a coin flip. Yeah. Uh, George, what about you? I see the Sox taking games one and two. Um, I, I think with Bayo and Paxton back to back. Uh I think Sunday's where we get ourselves in an interesting situation with the Crawford. We get the good Crawford or not, you know, whether or not he just gives us enough and the bullpen comes in and saves the day. The key there is going to be the bats. But I can easily see the Sox taking, you know, two out of three. And you talk about the bats, and that's the thing that's hurt the Cubs this year has really been the offense. Either they'll sit there and they'll win a game 10 to 1, and then they'll lose the next three games 2 to 1, 2 to 1, 2 to 1. And you're like, and then they'll go in the next game, 14 to two. It's like the Cubs are the only team in the NL central with a positive run differential, but it's just very, it's just a really goofy thing. The way that, that all of their games kind of work out, it's all or nothing. And it comes down to the runners in scoring position. And, and, and the Cubs tend to strike out a lot, which is for a team that isn't a power hitting team is bizarre. It's like, okay, you, you don't hit home runs, but you're striking out too much. And that goes back to what I was talking about, about sometimes being too patient, not being aggressive and, and, and 
I think the thing that hurts this team more than anything, the reason they are where they are, they're performing behind their Pythagoras theorem, is that is clutch, both clutch hitting and clutch pit, pitching. When it comes down to getting the big hit or getting the big out, that's where they struggle. And so, you know, th- like I said, th- this team keeps saying we believe we are, we're better than what we performed, and now it's time to put up or shut up because you got two weeks to do it. Is Ross yeah. on the hot seat at all? There's some people unhappy with him, I would say. I think it was, um, you know, obviously David Ross was a World Series hero, beloved here. And um, but the thing that frustrated a lot of people is that basically he was handed the keys to the car without ever getting his learner permit. Right. He never managed a game. Now, I know, you know, they say catchers are in-game managers, but it's a totally different ball game, man. And so there's some times where you take a look and you're like, well, there's mistakes that are sometimes just quickly pointed out. So I think that there's a frustration level. And that's why you never like guys that, you know, are you know, were, were part of the team to ever be a manager because, you know, they're one day going to get fired. But I, it was hard because Ross, you know, his first season was the 2020 season, right? Which was COVID goofy was 60 right. game. You know, yeah. Cubs made the postseason then. Then in 2021 was the sell-off that you were talking about. They, they sold off you Darvish. They sold off Chris Bryant, uh, Rizzo, Baez, yeah, Jock Peterson. Anything not on, not nailed to the ground was was traded. And so, you know, can you really get mad at him, you know, for 21, 22? And then this year they went out and spent a lot of money. Um, but the results aren't what we feel that they should be right now. And there has been some very critical mistakes that we've seen Russ make. Okay. Yeah, um, he, he, is, he, is, he, he did get an extension recently. And again, he's a company guy. You know what I mean? He's a guy that, you, you know, our former coach, Joe Madden, just wrote a book and he got himself in a little bit of trouble. But like if, if all of a sudden somebody hands David Ross a lineup card, he's not going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Like he's going to he's going to do what the front office wants him to do, which I think right. is what we're seeing in baseball all around. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh I'm going to go two out of three also. These are must-wins for us because we have the Cubs, then we have Oakland. We have the Mets, who we one day could be good, next day they can be outrageously horrible. We need to sit there and go in those three series and win at least two out of three against you guys, two out of three against the Mets, and we need to sweep Oakland because then we have the Braves – and the Giants before a trade deadline. And those are going to be two tough series. The Braves is only a two-game series, but still, then you got the Giants. So I'm going to go two out of three because we need it to be buyers. I just, I'm just worried if we're going to be buyers, who we're going to be giving up to get pieces. And well, that's like my biggest thing. The, okay, so like you know, I, I've heard this before in in, ba- in basketball where they call it basketball hell, where you're good enough to make the postseason, but you're really not truly good enough to win it all, and th- that's the concern now that baseball's expanded their postseason is that you can make the playoffs. I mean, it's expanded; you can make it a lot, but that doesn't mean you know. Do I feel that this Cubs team has construct? I mean, are we one or two pieces away from winning the World Series? I don't know about that. Are we one or two pieces away from making the postseason? Absolutely. Winning the World Series? No. So again, who do you want to give up? And and if you really don't have a chance of winning the World Series, like a really solid chance, do you want to do that? The big move the Cubs always made, uh, you guys know with the Yankees, they traded Glabar Torres uh, for Eraldis Chapman. And mm-hmm. that's exactly how those deals are supposed to work. Chapman helps us win the World Series. The Yankees get a stud, you know, a shortstop that's gonna, that's been there for a few years now. That that's how you want to do it. But if all of a sudden, you know, you give up a guy like that and you don't win, or you don't even get to the World Series, then it doesn't look like it's as good a move. Yeah, de- uh, definitely. Uh, especially like with for, for us, it's do we want to give up talent to just go to the playoffs? No, that's not that's not the point. The point's to win the whole thing. Right. Uh, you know, I was talking to George, and, and uh, we did a, a midseason award show. If we if the Red Sox look, we got Chris Sale coming back. Uh, we got Schreiber coming back. Trevor Story coming back. Uh, Whitlock. So we got four pieces coming back after our, after the All Star break within a couple weeks. 
that those are four pieces you don't got to trade for that are holes right now for us. Right. And it's almost like getting guys in a trade. Exactly. So, but no, uh, Crawley, I I really want to thank you for stopping by coming, uh, talking Cubs, uh, next year, you know, the the series, uh, season series is out, um, in Fenway in Fenway. Uh, I'm definitely going to be reaching out to you (laughs) to, uh, to talk next year also, if it's okay. Yeah, who knows? I might even be in Boston, so we'll see. Oh, there you yeah. go. It's so, fun to go uh, out there. Crawley, the floor is yours. Uh, let everybody know where they can uh, hit you up at, where they can listen to you, and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter, at Crawley's Cubs. There's no E in that, Crawley. So, at Crawley's Cubs. Uh, you can find uh, uh, our podcast, Fly the W, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you stream them from. We're, we're an Odyssey production, so kind of everywhere and and like you know on, on facebook and instagram crawley's clubhouse so anyone that, that has questions about the cubs man feel free to jump on in and i'm always happy to talk and have a good baseball conversation hey thanks a lot uh crawley for coming on we really appreciated it uh for my man george you have uh you got an article come out uh you want to tell everybody about your latest article sure um i did a three-part series on you know, where I thought High Bloom's head was going to be when it came time to uh, hit the trade deadline. Um, the first nine games are important. Uh, so the last one, uh, I went out and I identified some potential trade targets that they're really serious. They range from decent add-ons to the Oh My God trade uh, that includes names like Juan Soto and Shohei Otani. Um, but, you know, uh, it... it the first nine games out of the, you know, out of the gate here are the most important. And that's why, you know, and I noted it is that they've got to go six and three in those, in those games to be considered relevant in terms of heading to the, you know, any kind of postseason move less than that, you know, they're going to maybe do some minor things. And if they really play badly, it's a fire sale. So I, I cover all those things. Um, you can find me on, uh, you know, pun, pun to the pesky pole uh, sub on Substack. Uh, also, uh, you know, as part of the Pesky podcast, on uh, the on uh, the Linktree main page there, and uh, so you know, it's let let the games begin. You know, we hit the countdown, and we finally have baseball back after four days. I think we're all kind of like ready for that. So, yeah. So, well, guys, thanks for sitting there and tuning in uh, to the latest episode. Uh, Hit us up on YouTube, sub, follow us so you can watch the live uh, videos of it. Uh, we're on all major platforms, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. So, but for myself, the writ, for George, and for our new friend out there in Chicago, Crawley, thanks for tuning in to the Pesky Podcast.